2: Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Different guys. Uh, Hi, they're least, very different. At least the little bit of the personalities I've seen. Yeah, uh, they, they're, their, their personalities They probably are... don't go out at <laughs> night together. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd.
3: Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance.
2: Would your you
4: crazy. All right, Dave's been grinding the last couple days. Doing morning updates all six o'clock all the way through our start time. Doing traffic too. Can barely speak. Kenny's on his ninth vacation of the year already. That's important stuff.
5: And so it's whatever's
4: crazy. left of questions voice here, let's let's see what we got. How many pitches are left here?
5: Not many. Not <laughs> many. In fact, I was looking towards the bullpen a little earlier and I thought, you know, we could bring intern Max in to, you know, try to get the last few outs here, but <laughs> let's be honest. He's throwing kind of like Zach Duke lately. I'm not sure we could trust him with that, especially after podcast issues we've had wow. uh, the last wow. week or two.
4: <laughs> so, it's time to... Yeah, I mean, get the dates right, for God's sakes, Max. It's, it's time to now. debut.
5: <laughs> it's not JuddBot3000.
4: It's not PhilBot3000. It's QuestionsBot3000. Wow, QuestionsBot. This is exciting. <clears throat>
5: If the Cleveland Cavaliers are to get back into the series tonight in Game 3, which, by the way, you can hear right here on 1500 ESPN, what will the stat line need to look like for King James? (laughs)
2: Questions
4: Bot sounds an awful lot like Judd Bot. Do all the bots just come from the same vocal cord? Uh, It's Bot Factory. Yeah, okay.
3: Which, by the way...
4: (laughs) That's good. Got the plug in there, too. Questions bot on top of things. You know, I don't think it has to be 58 and 8. I think somebody pointed this out on one of the ESPN talking head shows that the difference between Cavs role players. So everyone not named LeBron and their performance and shooting percentages and numbers on the road and at home. It's and it's a team of veterans, too. You'd think that they wouldn't be that bothered by being on the road, but they're just exponentially better at home. So. I don't think it has to be 50 points. I think he can, as long as he just barely scratches 30, which is still a lot of points, if he gets a 30-point flirtation with a triple-double and his teammates do what they've been doing at home, they'll get game three. They'll get game three.
3: And one of the greatest performances of all time that you will hear tonight right here on this station, we're talking 47 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists. That's what that's what you're, you're going to need. He, he's going to, he tried his damnedest in game one to take these guys and win that game, and LeBron essentially did, and he got let down. Well, guess what? Game three, he's going to come back and he's going to say, this is this is going to be my game at home. We're going to win at least one, 47-10-13. Yeah. You heard it here first. 47-10-13? Yes, and one of the most miraculous, greatest performances, and we will marvel, and there will be no controversy. He's the basketball whisperer. No controversy tomorrow about officiating or J.R. Smith being a dummy. A guy buys a basketball at Target, and now
4: he thinks he's the basketball
3: whisperer. It's an official regulation NBA ball, by the way. Yes,
4: I'm sure it is. Uh, It's funny that LeBron gets ripped now. There's like a certain, if you're a LeBron ripper, you're going to rip him now for not knowing that they had a timeout, which he did, by the way, and not realizing after two seconds that his teammate didn't know the score. Like that, LeBron somehow should have prevented that debacle at the <laughs> which, end of Game One, which he happening.
3: didn't. By the way, know Correct. the score that
5: yeah, was. All right, uh, all right. Questions, bot. It's time to play a game called Choose Your Fernando. Which Fernando have you been most impressed with during this Twins season? Rodney or Romero? <laughs>
3: um, I'll go first here, and Choose I- Your Fernando. And that it- sounds like a party game. And uh, as much as as Fernando Romero has impressed me, and, and he came back. He was br- brutal last time out. He came back yesterday, gave up a, a home run to lead off the game, and you thought to yourself, this could be problems again, and then he s- uh, settled down, pitched very well, didn't walk a guy. I'm going to go with Rodney, and I'm going to support it with some stats here that I, I did some crunching last night of. From March 29th, opening day of the season, till April 26th, Fernando Rodney appeared in 8 games for the Twins. He gave up 12 hits, 5 earned runs, had a 6.75 ERA. Opponents hit 3.75 against him. He had 2 saves and blew 3. From April 28th then the day he saved I think a one-run win over the Reds until through yesterday, he has appeared in 14 games. His ERA is down in that time is 0.68. His opponents are batting 133 against him. He has blown no saves and has 10 So so as impressive as the young man has been to me, I think I'm I'm more impressed by the fact a guy who is 41 and for the second consecutive year had a terrible April has come back and essentially for for more than a month now been completely lights out. Okay, I think okay,
4: I think we need to pump the brakes a little on the Fernando Rodney thing here. So I'm going to say Fernando Romero because outside of one disaster of a start. He's been one of the more impressive young pitchers in the American League so far this year. I mean, he's 23 years old. The guy has come in and in five or six of his seven starts has been wonderful, if not almost unhittable and untouchable. And so, and and he's laying a lot of groundwork for what will be a a rock solid rotation here. Um, once these guys get done with their Tommy John surgeries in the next two or three years, I'm sure. You just read off those stats for you. Do you have those, Fernando, the, those, those April? The Rodney? Yeah, the Rodney eight, stats again.
3: Eight games, um, six and two thirds, five earned runs. That, that translates to a 675 ERA, 375 batting average against by opponents in that yeah. time, and three blown saves with two saves.
4: The thing is, though, he was directly responsible for three or four losses in the month of April, and I don't think we can just ignore that. I think, I think we can praise him... For okay, slow start guy who gets it back on track in May and he's carried it over into June and he's overall he's had a good season, but I don't think we can just brush off the fact that he cost you three or four games and you're sitting here he's four an or five games under five hundred. Old I'm guy, just like me. So uh, I'm going to say Fernando Romero that, because he didn't just train wreck for a full month. That though was a great question, Dave Harrigan. And well, Bot Dave Bot questions Bot is the one that thought of the question. It was a fantastic question.
5: Of course, it is. You guys began the show giving out the NES Go Bar Awards for the most underappreciated players on our local clubs. Now, let's flip that around. Who are the most overappreciated players on the local teams and which one athlete would you name the award after? And yes, Judd, feel free to include the links this time if you can. All the links are trying as hard as they can. Can you repeat the
4: question? I wasn't paying attention to the first part of the question.
5: You guys began the show giving out the Eddie Bar Awards for the most underappreciated players on our local clubs. Now, let's flip that around. Who are the most overappreciated players on the local teams and okay. which one athlete would you name the award after? Oh. And yes, Judd, feel free to include the links this time if you can. Yeah, you're going to be okay including the links well, this I time, know, Jud- I'm
3: gonna, I, but this would now mean that I have to turn around after not... Awarding them someone and rip a player, I'm not sure that's in the spirit of this whole thing. But anyway, go right ahead.
4: Uh, the the overappreciated award, if it was if the underappreciated award was the Eduardo Escobar award, the overappreciated award would. I, pr- you said Miko. I Mico's? suggested the
3: Miko's, yes. Okay. yes,
4: that's probably fair. I think at times he's been underappreciated, so he's kind of gone back and forth. But I'll I'll be okay with that one. So I'm going to say on his own on Miko's own team, Devin Dubnik is the more. Overappreciated player,
3: dude. We love to chant, Dude. Every time a puck, you stopped a shot from center ice, dudes. Every
4: time a puck hits him in the shoulder because he's wearing
3: pads and stands six beer. feet tall. Stopped a shot. I'll pay twelve bucks for it. But and he had a,
4: he had a stretch three years ago where he carried you to the postseason, and so that he deserves credit. But he's middle of the pack goals against average, middle of the pack save percentage, Dukes. and and his numbers get worse in the playoffs. So he's you know. He's he's closer to being just a guy than he is a guy who's gonna carry you to a Stanley Cup championship. I would say for the Lynx, probably Simone Augustus overappreciated, but like that's just right now. I mean, in her pro- this is the problem with it. They've got five amazing players throughout the years and they win championships with those players. So and they just are coming off a championship. Uh but like Simone, you know, Simone's her minutes are at an all-time low, and she's scoring 11 points instead of 20 like she was earlier. So that's I don't know. It's hard to pick a Lynx player. They um, win championships every year. Stay away from that one, guys. Vikings. I could go with one of two guys. I'm going to say Kyle Rudolph stole my thunder for over. Well, oh, there's a couple that you could go with. Uh, I agree with you, though. but he doesn't. He's certainly not. But we love him.
3: We like do too much. Yeah, he's a nice player.
4: He's a nice guy. He's an outstanding guy. Yeah, and a nice player. But he can't. He, he gets tripped up by the. Forty-five yard line, um, and he's and he's not like he's not in that Travis Kelsey top end, and he looks like he should be. So I think we think he is. His Physically, body yeah. looks like he should be. So, but he's a, he's a safety blanket, kind of a short yarded safety blanket. Golden guy. Domer, too. Yes, he's a good player, but he's yeah. probably a little bit over mm-hmm. overrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say I would say Brian Dozier for the Twins. He puts up big numbers at the end of the year, and I would definitely have taken him on any team the last four years. But he's really bad in clutch situations, like late and close. He's not as he's not as good when pressure starts to mount. He's not as good runners in scoring position. And, uh, and he'll give you two or three months where he just goes completely absentee. And on the Timberwolves, most overappreciated Timberwolf is a guy who sort of facilitates friction in the locker room and is injured all the time. Jimmy Butler. Nicked up. I'm going to say overappreciate a little bit. Jimmy Butler. Wow. Well, yeah. All right. He, a lot of kind of nicks and knees and things and his agent is out chirping about Carl Anthony Towns and there's a little bit of a like don't get me wrong, I would still take Jimmy Butler on my team, but there's a bit of a high maintenance sort of
3: drama factor with him and he misses games. All right, I agree with you on on Kyle Rudolph, and I, I agree with you on Dozier. And for the Twins, I can't think of of a player to change to Dozier just because when Dozier's going good, he's going so great, and and we get enamored with those stats, and we should. But when he's not going good, he's just a guy. Uh, there's a reason why this this executive staff I think has made a decision to uh, part company with, with Dozier after this year, and so I can't change that one. Uh, the wild, since we're calling them the Mikos, I will go with another forward. Though, how about Granlund? Granlund's a guy who, when he makes a great play, because it's so outstanding, we're all like, "Oh my gosh, did you see that play by Granlund? Granny, have you seen? Did you see Granny in the Olympics? It was." And you know what? A lot of the times, I think he just disappears. So I think we we have an appreciation for Granlund that's justified, but sparingly. And, and we have become so enamored with what he can do, we forget the fact that, that he's not doing it too much of the time. The Vikings, I will switch from Kyle to Anthony Barr. Mm-hmm. Once again, a guy who, who, when he's going great, it's like, this is unbelievable. He can do so much. But you go back and look, and there's long periods where he just drops off. Mm-hmm. And for the Wolves, I'm actually going to stay with Inside the Organization and pick Derrick Rose just cuz the head coach and president of the basketball ops is so enamored with the guy who's 29 going on 67 and you looked at Derrick Rose and I understand there were playoff games where he he brought something but my god you think the you think they just got magic johnson or something so i think internally by tibbs derrick rose is seen as as this savior type and I think if you take a step back, he's clearly he he might have been at one time, but he's not near that now. So you
4: know, questions. I really like that. That was a good third question. Of excellent. course, it is. Yeah, really good third question. Of course, it is. Yep. <laughs> See, <laughs> <laughs> Courtney Cronin on Vikings. She's actually golfing right now at the Vikings slash media. She's event the course. At the Meadow, so. I don't know. They do we know? I'm pretty sure those rounds take about seven hours, and they collars and they still teed trying off some to get the course. Morning. Yep. At least the golf balls are free and the food is free. Let's talk for a minute about Chris Lindahl and the big announcement that he made just last week. Nobody in Minnesota has actually ever done this before. Nobody has looked beyond the big national brokers and said, you know what? We got this. And the way the industry is moving, it's, it's possible that Chris Lindahl won't be the last to start his own brokerage. Uh, As they have declared innovation independent, so they can move faster, they can innovate faster without restrictions, and uh, they can help people make more money on the sale of their homes. And they can help people find those homes that are perfect for their families. You can still go to the same website, chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. And it's still the same phone number that we've been talking about for uh, several months here, 763-401-sold. But it's a big time move. Headlines the last week or so across the Twin Cities. The team is the same. The relentless push to bring a fresh approach to the industry is the same. The spirit of be generous and giving back to the community is the same. But now, live from the TCL
2: Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back.
4: Are we ready?
2: Let's get it on on fifteen hundred ESPN. Boy, that is, that's Let's get you ready. Right we gonna
3: make it tomorrow. We'll see. Max, set
4: your alarm for for 5 o'clock. You're coming in to do updates in the morning. Max, out of nowhere. The biggest break of Max's (laughs) career comes tomorrow. Uh, Courtney Cronin, she covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. Are you on the golf course right now, this Vikings media event?
0: We ended about maybe an hour ago. So right now we're just waiting for the corporate event for their foundation. So a lot of the sponsors get to come out and play with players and coaches for the afternoon portion. So the media thing happened this morning. Okay. And we played played nine holes because playing 18 at Mystic Lake with this group probably would have taken about six hours.
4: (laughs) That's the thing. I think they used to do 18, I feel like. Or did you opt out after nine?
0: No, no. They only – we were only allotted nine holes. <laughs> That's probably
4: for the best.
0: Yeah, for those for those who have played out here, my group, my foursome started on eighteen, which very easily is the hardest hole here. So, and we were in the rain this morning on that, so that was a nice little uh, wake up
3: call. And so, the, the most important question: Did you best collar on the golf course, Courtney Cronin?
0: We both had actually some really good shots earlier. This is a I'm not this is a hard course. I'm not a great golfer. I like to have fun with it, and I think we did best ball. And both of us had a birdie putt rim out of the cup, uh, which was kind of disappointing. So we, uh, we had a good time though. My five wood was, uh, hitting pretty well today. My driver not so much.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, kind of having a little bit of power trouble with the horsepower of that thing still. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting
4: there. Kind of like Judd on the basketball court. The, 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 the no, little, nothing's like Judd the on horsepower the, basketball court. Of the basketball I don't
0: think it was that
4: bad. No offense, Judd, but oh my God. <laughs> oh, no offense taken. <laughs> oh, no offense taken. No offense, but oh my God. <laughs> yep. That's okay. I understand. It, it was a rough day Saturday. <laughs> uh, I think what needs to happen is there needs to be a 1500 ESPN, some sort of uh, our own decathlon, but instead of track events... We just have, and we can have friends of 1500. So, Courtney, you can participate. We do a batting cage. We do some sort of basketball shot, some sort of golf thing, and we, we see how embarrassing it can get for everybody. We can see who, who, who lasts the longest.
0: Yeah, I'd absolutely be down. Add like tennis in there, go karting. Oh, I mean, yeah, we can get, get pretty
4: aggressive. Go karting for sure. Yeah, I'd ma- be good at that. At the Mall of America, they have go karts on the top floor that go up to forty five miles an hour with aggressive turns. I think that would be somebody That's might weird. somebody might die, but you know, as long Perfect. as we as Sounds
0: long as name a competition.
4: Right? Yeah, as long as we get to grow our social media brand, then who cares?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you guys die, but we'd sell so much advertising, so. Uh, so, o- OTAs are done now. What, in your mind, g- give me two or three things uh, that, that stood out that are actually of substance about the just completed organized team activities, Courtney Cronin? Well,
0: I think the first thing, and you know, no, no, no shortage of this uh, throughout OTAs and going to training camp is we still don't have, we're no closer to knowing what that starting combination of offensive linemen is going to be in front of Kirk Cousins. I mean, we saw the last two weeks. Uh, that Mike Remmers was playing at guard, and that seems like kind of the safest option right now. And, you know, and having Rashad Hill at tackle, I don't know if it's the best option. Um, so they're still tinkering with it, which, you know, this could be the one thing that comes back to bite this team uh, at the end of it, you know, just by not picking a guard with the first round pick um, and going with Mike Hughes. So, I mean, that's something that is, I think that is the storyline going into a training camp. Um, another one, um, Probably just like the, you know, just the way that Kirk Cousins has been connecting with his receivers. I mean, you, you have such a small sample size here. And yesterday we actually got a much closer look at some of the red zone stuff that they've been doing. Dalvin Cook returning. Um, every piece around him is really good. You have an offensive coordinator who has, you know, noted history of turning guys around in the red zone and just kind of, you know, some of his pedigree. You have incredible playmakers around you, you know, it's the the expectations are even furthered by that just for Kirk Cousins himself and how he's going to be able to handle that this year. Let's say they go one and two to start the season. You know, is that on him? Is it on someone else? I think that that's something you're really going to look at going forward just because everything around him is ready to go is he
4: He feels like he went to quarterback robot personality programming school or something. Have you, have you been around him enough? Yeah. Like judge doing the smile right now. He's got the, oh God. he's his, when he smiles, it's like he blinds people at intersections. What have you been around him enough? Or have you talked to enough people to know what his personality is? Like, do we know anything about him as a, as a person other than he has 17 individualized, like specialty trainers that just program his entire day?
0: Well, I think, I mean, he's very corporate. I mean, take a look at his website. I mean, he's, you know, got the Kirk Cousins logo and, you know, Father's Day bundles of gear. And, you know, all of this marketing <laughs> campaign for this guy who hasn't even played a single down yet. Um, and, and, you know, on top of that, the expectations were lofty from the day he came in here. because they guaranteed $84 million, and they're not really sure how much better this guy is than, than Case Keenum. So, I mean, there's all of those things where it's kind of, in some circumstances, putting cart before the horse. Um, but, you know, we haven't really had a chance to, to talk to to Kirk all that much uh in the off season. you know, outside of the introductory press conference. He spoke briefly during team workouts ahead of the draft and then once last week. Uh, I think that this is kind of a situation where, you know, at least with Case, you knew, as much as he probably didn't want to talk to us, I mean, he was honest. He had a chip on his shoulder. He never wavered. He was who he was. I don't know if we know enough about Cousins' personality yet to really determine that, but you know, he he does fit the mode of the the model of being the corporate, you know, you open the brain, there's a football sitting there uh, type quarterback.
3: So, Kurt, oh my God, I Courtney, found the store. I found the store. Kirk Cousins dot org. I'm there right now. So you're telling uh-huh. me I can get a cousin's Father's Day bundle for uh,
0: sixty nine dollars.
3: No, it's it's been marked down. Fifty four. Jump on that. Oh. It's a sixty-nine dollar value that's been marked down to fifty-four. And then
2: they have that's,
0: ha- that's
3: like a thirteen
0: percent uh, I believe, uh, I'm not, I'm not a big mouth person, but that's like a thirteen percent discount. See, that's
2: pretty
4: he's economical. And then they I'm have there's for the people. There's a little sidebar on the on the the merchandise page. It's a Kirk Cousins special secret bonus unlocked if you just enter email address or you can x out and where it says x out you have to choose no i don't like discounts <laughs> <laughs> uh he has he has you like that purple and gold wristbands as well with the kirk cousins logo yes. this is actually pretty pretty genius
0: good
3: for him but only while supplies last courtney <laughs>
0: i mean those things are flying off the shelf or flying off his website
3: is. <laughs> hey, what do you think of, about De- Delvin Cook? Because that, that's the the one thing, and I get the fact that, that this is still a long ways from him being uh, completely re- recovered from the torn ACL. But it does strike me in seeing uh, your story about it and Collar's story, it strikes me that this is a pretty important thing. Because if this guy can come back and play a, a full year, it's not not like ACLs are a death knell now. You can return from those fairly quickly. Uh the Delvin Cook story to me, among off season things, does seem to be of significance in what it could mean for this team in two thousand eighteen.
0: Absolutely. I mean you saw how well they were running the ball with him uh the first four weeks of the season and really how well they were able to do after that fact uh with Latavius Murray and Jared McKinnon. He had a, he didn't have a multiple tear. ACL, uh, you know, multiple tear, multiple ligament ACL tear. So yeah, you're right. He should be able to bounce back and not have that much limiting him in week one and uh, going forward. But I do think that you worry about the workload and, and not trying. It was stressing him a lot. He had 74 carries through the first, you know, four weeks of the season into that third quarter where he got hurt against Detroit. But he comes back in this, and he, if he's back to the version of himself that we think, you know, all signs pointing to. I mean, this offense has another element that you know I think takes it to another level. You have one of the best play action quarterbacks in the game in, in Kirk Cousins and how Dalvin Cook, I mean, that was, you know, that benefited him quite a bit through the early part of the season last year just with how much they were running that with uh, you know, Bradford then and with Keenum, So, um to me that's that's a huge storyline and he is such a huge part of this offense uh where they say they're going to limit his workload. I don't, you know, and I, and I do believe that they don't want to run him into the ground, but they're going to need to rely on him pretty heavily because for as good as they can run the ball, that just opens things up for what Keenum and Elon and Diggs and et cetera can do.
4: This might, uh, I might, somebody threw in Zeke Elliott as one that we forgot earlier, Judd, here, but is it crazy to say that you can't name more than five running backs in the NFL right now that you would for sure hands down take over Dalvin Cook based on what you saw in that first month of Dalvin Cook? Like, I would take David Johnson coming off an injury. Mm -hmm. I'd take Le'Veon Bill. I'd probably take Zeke Elliott. Um, I mean, LaShawn McCoy is like thirty now. Alvin Kamara, Alvin
0: Kamara, you could take that. Um, I mean, I, I yeah, I agree with you. I think that the best years of Dalvin's career is obviously so much further down the line, and what he could have been last year, I think, is. Yeah, it's a great unknown. We'll, ne- we'll never be able to see how good he could have been, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that he could have, you know, 1,300 yards rushing and upwards of, you know, 500, 600 yards receiving. I mean, he's such a versatile threat. He ushered in this new era for the running game, um, you know, with, with his ability to you know, catch passes out of the backfield. I mean, yesterday at OTAs we saw him wind up as a wide receiver in the red zone. I mean, there's so much. You know, for John Filippo, he's got to be looking at this and, you know, you know, licking his chops because this is something that opens up a whole other element for your offense um, and just how well he can be used in so many scenarios I think is going to be really beneficial for this team.
4: All right, Courtney, what do, you, what do you think about this? This is an email from Jeff K., He says that video of Judd shooting hoops looked like the beginning of a bad Hallmark movie where at the end, after lots of practice and uplifting talk around the dinner table with his loving family and with the support of his cute-as-a-button girlfriend, Judd makes the winning shot in the high school championship game. I
0: mean, I think that it. reminds me of Airbud. Like, I think that Air Bud and Judd kind of have, like, a similar story. <laughs> Except nobody's throwing basketballs, and Judd's saying, get out of here like they did the Air Bud that heartbreaking
3: scene. But um, <laughs> I think that's kind of where my mind goes with it. Well, thanks a lot. Air Bud and me are that's uh, a great comparison. It's pretty close. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
4: Uh, all right, go make fun of Matthew Collar for us, and we'll talk soon, Courtney. All
0: right, thanks, guys. All
4: right, See you on the court. Courtney Bye. dot from ESPN.com. I can't get enough of this Kirk Cousins merchandise store. This is He's got he's got shirts. Yeah. He's got all these purple and gold shirts. So the Kirk Cousins logo is kind of it's a K but the the right part of the K is like a C. And he's got back to school shirts. You how like much? that?
3: You oh, like how much? that? How much? How much? They're all about 29.99 the t-shirts. I think I need to get some of this merchandise. This is amazing. I do need some new t-shirts. He also
4: just has the you like that. There's a couple school shirts with him. In a Vikings uniform, you vike that. that's pretty good. Yeah, the Father's Day pack—you get a shirt and a hat, and then you get the "You Like That" wristbands, discounted by fifteen bucks right now. I can't tell if this is Limited sort of tongue. tongue-in-cheek. It's genius. Like, you might—if if people are going to hijack the phrase, you might as well copyright it and sell T-shirts, right? Good for him. Okay, can he? Oh, here, here's a question:
3: Can he use Skull? Well, he's probably asked the team for permission. The whole website's purple and gold and on his t-shirt. I'm sure
4: this has been talked about between the Vikings Are and him. You Make, sure? The Vikings Are might, might even be on sure? the shirt.
3: The Wils might find out and sue him.
4: Hey, Get the, some of their money back. Hey, the 5000 bucks you made on those t-shirts. I know we already
2: paid you $90 million gonna, dollars in guarantee. We're money. gonna need some gonna need a couple grand back. We're gonna from need some royalties. royalties off that. Yeah. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That is good news. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Do you know... Bill Mackey. Mackey.
4: You called him the little guy. I don't know why you have to pick on his physical appearance. I huh? don't. He's a good-looking guy.
2: Judd Zolgad. Grumpy SOB. Mm-hmm. He's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, I just bought $500 worth of Kirk Cousin stuff.
4: So, like, three shirts?
2: <laughs> and
4: some
3: wristbands. Yes. I want the golf shirt here. You never wear golf shirts. I know, but, I mean, this is a nice one. I might wear it. Have you ever seen Joe wear a golf shirt? I've worn it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. I can picture one. My NHL alumni golf shirt oh, that, that we right. got yep. a couple yeah, of years yeah. back, okay. I wore the I, black one with the oh, logo. And yeah. I'm going to be breaking that sucker out again soon because I love that one. Okay. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, The hats, the the I don't like the K design. I'm, I think you said that. I'm with you on it's, that. It's, you he's that. trying
4: to force the K and the C into the same letter. Yeah, I don't like it. A little too aggressively, but, you know, I don't know. He's got a logo, and we don't, and he's got $90 million. And we oh, don't. yeah, he's got a lot of things, yes. So he's got a lot Good going for, for him. him. Can I bring up a, a broadcast gripe from the second Twins game yesterday? And this isn't necessarily just a rip specifically on Dick and Burt, although they were the ones that sort of triggered this for me. All right. This happens all the time with the older generation of baseball broadcasters who still love pitcher wins and losses.
3: So, Zach, No wonder let, you got blocked by Dick.
4: So, well... I, and I'm guessing he's not a frequent listener of the Mackey and Judge show. But anyway, go ahead, Phil. But uh, but I hear this all the time on whether it's national broadcasts, other local broadcasts. So it's not just a specific rip on on these guys. But right. this notion that a pitcher is you're trying to get your starting pitcher off the hook. Mm-hmm. If you're like Zach Littell last night, when was it three innings yeah. and it didn't go well? He got hit around, gave up a four spot in the first inning, and and so he had a terrible outing by all measurements. He's still promising and and I still think he's going to be fine long term. It was a rough debut, yeah. It was. And then the Twins start putting some rallies together later in the game and the narrative is if the Twins, let's just say for instance that a pitcher gives up 6 runs in 3 innings and gets shelled, but the offense comes back to score 8 runs later in the game and that and they win 8 to 6, right? Right? That the offense has gotten that pitcher off the hook. Well, like What do you mean? He was the pitcher was terrible. Off the hook for what? I guess off the hook for... He's, for not, a,
3: he's not going to take the loss.
4: Off the hook for a team loss, but yeah. like the team itself is off the hook because they just scored eight runs and won the game, but the way that we assign off the hook to an individual stat for just a pitcher yeah, you're is annoying for, to me.
3: Right, but, but the pitcher wins to you are, are stupid. And I think yes. the, old, and, but the old school broadcasters. And your losses too. Right, sure. But if I go eight innings and give broadcas- up one run and but, the
4: other guy throws a no hitter and I get the loss, right, but, what do you but, mean, but, I get the loss. But
3: score a damn run. But Bert's life is consumed by wins, losses, and if you throw a, 130 pitches, who cares? Lance Lynn came on. Uh, so he pitched last Saturday. And I believe he appeared on Sunday's telecast between like the third and fourth or dur- during the third or fourth. And they, Bert. Basically led Lance along because he threw like a hundred and fifteen pitches or, or something, and Bert's like uh, got him to say, "Yeah, I don't care about pitches thrown." And Bert's like, "Thank you. That's exactly that's exactly what I wanted Wait, to who, hear." Who said that? Lance Lynn did. Because if, if you look oh, at they Lan- had they interviewed him or something, yeah, or? Dur- during the game on Sunday. Oh, okay, if you looked at Lance Lynn's pitch count from Saturday, I think it got up to his pitch count got up to like one fifteen. It, it got high, and he stayed in. I think through the sixth. And Lynn's point is, I don't care. There, there's times that I throw a ton of pitches, but I feel I'm pitching well at the end. So I don't, don't want to leave the game. But Burt was thrilled. He's like, thank you. That's exactly what I want to hear. So, I mean, Burt, Burt looks at things as, as wins matter, pitch counts don't. So it totally goes against the, the new, new wave of baseball drives him crazy. Yeah, and I don't know if You can it's, absolutely tell that. And I don't know if
4: it's you know, pitch counts, to say that pitch counts don't matter. Like, obviously, you're going to be stronger on your 20th pitch or your 50th pitch than your 200th <laughs> pitch, right? If you're, just you're out Nolan there. Ryan, yeah. Uh, so, we, like, even Nolan Ryan was probably a lot more effective on pitch 75 than he was on pitch 160 at the end of a at the end of a game. Not to say that he wasn't still effective or more effective than most pitchers would be up that high. Uh, But I think it's more just like the amount of times and the amount of pitches that the opposing team sees you throw. If I get to see you throw me 20 pitches and I've seen all three of your pitches, I have a much better chance of doing something with it that third or fourth time through the order. Uh, So baseball reference actually keeps track. And for Lance Lynn, maybe this is correct because in his career, and I don't think this is the same for most pitchers, Lance Lynn for his career is better... Between pitches seventy six and one hundred, than he is pitches one through twenty five.
3: Okay, then he was serious
4: about that. In fact, his OPS allowed pitches one through twenty five is a hundred twenty points worse than later in the game when he gets to when he gets to pitches seventy six through one hundred. So, so again, it's 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 all different for different pitchers. So for Lance Lynn, there might be some truth to it, and he hasn't he hasn't frequently gone up into that 110, 115 range. But he's the type of guy that once he gets settled into a game. And once he gets to 76, 80, 85 pitches, he actually is statistically better throughout his career so far. But I could probably find you guys were much worse when they get to the third time through the order and they get to like their 90th pitch.
3: Lance Lynn on Saturday in the Twins win against Cleveland threw 113 pitches, which is fine. But anyway, yeah, I think it's just uh, (sighs) a... You're, you're going to have broadcasters for quite some time now, probably, who are still very hung up on on certain ways that, th- that the game should be. And I think the thing that that doesn't take into account, though, is, is you you have people, especially baseball folks, who are going to, who are right now being dragged, right? Kicking and screaming. They just hate it. Like, they they still love the game, and they still want to be around the game. But there are certain things about this thing that just drive them nuts. And I I think in some situations, they attempt to act like they're adapting, but they can't stand it. Well, here's
4: actually, here's another one. And this might be proving a point here. Kyle Gibson is also better pitches 76 through 100 in his career than he is pitches one through 50. His OPS allowed is 100 points better pitches 76 through 100 than it is one through 50, which tells me two things. Number one, and this is just two pitchers. We, you know, we Let's look at 20 of them before we come to any real conclusions. But this tells me if you're still in the game between pitches 76 and 100, you're probably having a pretty good game, too, for the most part. Like, if you got shelled in the first or second inning, you're probably not out there for your 80th pitch. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you are, but... Uh, uh, so it, it it might just be that, and this is point number two, it's more of an injury risk and a long-term wear and tear risk 115, 120 start to wear down, fatigue yeah. and you're trying to still throw at the same velocity with a fatigued arm than it is that you're just not effective at is pitch that the, 100. Is,
3: is that approximately the third time through, basically, th- those pitches? Yeah. Interesting. Because on, aver- on average, that.
4: you're going to throw like 15 to 18 pitches in an inning. So once you get to, I don't know, you get third time through the order comes, you know, do the math on that. Yeah, but like 80, 90 pitches, somewhere in that range. But... Uh, so, for instance, Kyle Gibson, third time through the order, has an OPS that's it's about the same as his first time through the order. So he's the type of pitcher that he's either on or he's not. Right. And he's either, some days he's not on and it doesn't matter, and, and some days he's any. on. Mm-hmm. And some pitchers you look and see, they're just awful their third time through the order. Maybe they don't have a great third pitch or something. Anyways, that was my pet peeve, though?
2: He's off the hook. By, I don't know, he still pitched way, like crap. It
4: didn't work. <laughs> they didn't get him off the hook. Yeah. 651 646 8255 877 Open phone lines for our last segment if you want to,
2: I don't know, make fun of us for anything. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. I don't want to get any messages. On 1500 ESPN. <laughs> Mackie and Judd are back. <laughs> One of the most absurd things you can do in sports media. On 1500 ESPN. give so, oh, That's the <laughs>
1: First thing that came to my mind, I was like, okay, I was calling a timeout, but hopefully, I'm glad. Maybe if we didn't have any, I'm glad they didn't give it to me. I didn't want another C. Web incident, you know. Um, um, you know that, that happened, and then they go to make their free throws, and the game is over. Um, so I asked our coaching staff um, if we had a timeout, and they uh, they told me yes, and. Uh, I guess y'all probably seen the reaction from that point on.
4: And if he could finish that sentence, it would be, and that was the moment I decided 100% to leave Cleveland. I was going to say, he was 99% yeah. there. And he just needed that one last question to Hello, Tyler. Hello, Chris Paul, James Harden. Yeah, I'll be coming to Houston. Or, based on this report, thebiglead.com, and we'll get to, uh, I know I see we see Jim on hold, we'll get to your call in a second. If you guys want to call in about anything to end the show here, 651 646 Eight two five
2: five. Ruckless speculation.
4: TheBigLead The rumors of LeBron James taking his talent to Hollywood and joining the Lakers have been going strong for nearly a year now. Still with no denial from LeBron, even people inside the enter- uh, still with no denial from LeBron, even people inside the entertainment industry are now making bold statements on the situation. Pete Zayas from Lakers Film Room whose credentials have been tweeted out on the main Lakers account, Okay, said on Under the Bus podcast, that's B-U-S-S, is that uh, the Genie Buses podcast? Okay. Said he was told by four sources, LeBron James is going to be a Laker this summer. Quote, I've had four different sources in the entertainment industry. None of them have been basketball people. Let's say LeBron James is coming to the Lakers with Paul George, and he has to put X, Y, and Z in motion from a marketing standpoint. As for people inside basketball circles, longtime NBA reporter Peter Vesey reported before the season begun, LeBron was without a doubt going to join the Lakers this summer. Uh, Woj, I don't trust anything unless it's a Woj bomb. All right. Yep. Woj bomb. Woj bomb. He added last night that LeBron James and Paul George will indeed have a conversation this summer about joining the Lakers together. Hmm. We talked about that a month back or so. I don't know if... Paul George is a really good player, but I don't know if LeBron and Paul George and, like, Lonzo Ball, unless they can keep Julius Randle. You know what? That ain't going to beat the Warriors. This
3: all completely, and we don't know, know this, this all completely depends upon what direction LeBron wants to go as far as as on the court and off the court stuff cuz he's got the he's got the place in LA which he has supposedly completely redone now in recent months and if he wants the marketing of being out there and the immediate access he could do that i think what this depends on is do you really want to just go and hunt titles cuz if you do i'd go to Houston for sure, you might even go to
4: Philadelphia before you go to Los Angeles. Right. going To hunt titles, but right?
3: if but if you but if you say to or yourself, Minnesota, but if you say to yourself, I've done all that I can do title wise, and I'd like to win one more, but I prefer to be in movies and do things like that, then you go to the Lakers. Um, what was the? Um, I just saw this again over the weekend. What's her name?
4: Uh, blonde, uh, hilarious woman, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie she was in a couple of years ago where LeBron James was the... I, he, like, ex- I saw partner. that, yeah. He's really good in that movie. Yeah, he's and, it, co- yeah. and it's not just like a one-time appearance. He plays himself, but like a weird version of himself the whole movie. Yeah, a geek. Yeah. A
3: geek LeBron, basically.
4: Yeah, I think they would have to add somebody else besides Paul George or have the roster be just a perfect a perfect collection of role players. But that if he can- goes there and wins,
3: you're a complete hero. Yeah, you would then you take the Lakers you take Kobe's team which has been terrible since Kobe left or right before he left and you go out there and win it's huge six five one six four six eight two
4: five five hey Jim
1: hey guys how you doing good, good. man what's happening beautiful day man yes um, I wanted to comment on the uh, pitching uh, uh question you had earlier in terms of uh pitch count and such um, I pitched in college and uh, uh unfortunately didn't make the pros but one thing that's really kind of interesting to me is what I really have rarely heard is that you were talking about pitchers get to, you know, 50 pitches or 40 pitches or so on. And that's when they get in kind of their, I'll call it the groove, right? Yeah. They get in their groove because they figured out the batter. You always hear about the batters figuring out the pitchers. Guess what? We have brains too. when We're on the bump. <laughs> and, right. And and so my point is once we learn, their lineup and we run through it, we figure it out. It's like I'll give you i I'll give you one stat and I'll let you fly with it because I know you're up against it. Bob Gibson, June, July 68. Twelve starts, 12 complete games, 12 wins, 8 shutouts, 6 runs allowed. They were not pulling him off the mound. Right? No pitcher wants to be pulled. Sure. Because we know we're kind of getting after it. So, you know, I'll leave you guys with that. I, right I think it's something that's ignored.
4: Yeah. Jim, thanks for the phone call, man. Bob Bob Gibson. Uh, the is, summer of 68 is. That's one of the greatest seasons in pitching uh, in pitching history.
3: Summers ever, yes. That dude had 13 shutouts in the summer of 1968. Um, and if, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, it was in 69 that they came back and l- lowered the mound, correct? Because pitching was so dominant in, in the summer of 68. Yeah, Bob Gibson was one of the main reasons there, yeah. too. Uh but I think, in general, it's not as
4: much it's not as much are you effective at ninety five pitches like you would be at thirty, and maybe I would have thought that until looking into some of the numbers too, but it's about the cumulative effect of throwing high stress pitches in the seventh eighth inning. you maybe you gotta put a little extra mustard on a pitch and you've thrown a hundred of them already, and you stack that up on those high stress innings and batters faced over the course of one season, three seasons, five seasons a lot of smart people in the industry will tell you that that's what leads to Tommy John surgeries or a blown out shoulder that uh maybe you've maybe you've uh maybe you've pitched as a reliever 3 days in a row or something you take a day off and you're not fully back and then you have to go bases loaded 8th inning and they're cleanup hitters on the mound and and you're reaching back a little extra and that's
3: the high stress stuff that could cause injuries summer of 1968 American League batting champion was Carl Yastrzemski. 301. 301. Mm -hmm. The next highest average was 290. Yeah. It was crazy. (laughs) Tony O was third in the AL with a 289 average. Yeah. So, that uh, yeah, that one was uh, off the charts. I've got the pitching numbers
4: here, too, from the, the summer of 1968. Team pitching numbers, okay? The league ERA was under three. How long did games take that summer? Like hour and a half. Yeah, I was gonna say, were they <laughs> done in one ten? Yeah, hour and a half. You had let's see here. The St. Louis Cardinals, led by Bob Gibson, had a team ERA, a staff ERA, even including their bad pitchers, of two point four nine that season. Wow. The worst ERA in the in the entire major leagues. The Washington Senators, so the Twins, classic. Yeah. Even the Twins, well, actually, no, they no, weren't. then. It was that the, was the, the new. The Rangers. You're right. That was the newer. But they became the Rangers. Um, the Washington Senators had a 3.64 team ERA, oh. and that was the worst in baseball in 1968.
3: All oh, the horror of that. But the games were snappy. I was going to say your pace of play would have been fantastic. Yeah, the And games the night's final snappier. score, two to one again. The Washington Senators lose.
4: Uh, I've got you here. Here's some individual pitching stats here. The man. Holy cow! Is this for real? Yes, it is. You had seven the Seven starting pitchers, all qualified. All these guys threw at least 170 innings with an ERA under two. Bob Gibson, one point one two. Louis Tiant with the Indians, Picked for the Twins, right? Yes, uh, one point six zero ERA. Sad is it? Uh, sad, uh, Sam McDowell, yeah. one point eight one. Dave McNally, one point nine five. Denny McLean, Tommy John, one point nine eight. My God. What was Drysdale? Hmm. He was 12th in the ERA, 2.15. Okay. I think because I think Good the summer, Lord. if
3: I'm correct about this, the summer 68 is Drysdale set the uh, consecutive inning shutout streak that Hershizer broke in like 88. 49 qualified starting pitchers with an ERA under three that year. Hey, <laughs> like I said, they got the games done quick. Uh, we're back
4: tomorrow. Our show is loaded tomorrow. Lou Nanny's on the show. Oh, no, he's Friday oh, he's this Friday. Week, but Doogie, Doogie and Scoggins are on tomorrow. All right, we'll see you Roy guys. Roy too
5: whether it's baker's
0: simple truth turkey or mac and cheese with murray's english cheddar